Welcome to Cordell and Cordell's Men's Divorce Podcast, moderated by managing partner and CEO Scott Trout, bringing you information for guys before, during, and after divorce, and everything related to family law. This podcast is not to be taken as legal advice, and no attorney-client relationship is established. Hey, it's Scott Trout, CEO, managing partner of Cordell and Cordell, bringing you information today, relevant topic, and that is a lot of you have a home and you don't know what to do with it or how to do go about disposing of it in your divorce. And what do you do? There's so many options and so many ways other than just saying, hey, we all need to sell it. And that's always kind of a common thing. And so I'm joined by senior litigation partner, Bridget Landry up in Minnesota. Welcome. Uh, good morning, Scott. How are you? Good. Thanks for joining. So I was just saying off camera that this is such a relevant topic and I was dealing with this issue in some regard on we have uh, what to do with the house, whether you should sell it to pay equalization and deal with the equity. What do you do? That's a common question. I've done it. I've dealt with it in uh, our seminar, 10 Stupidest Mistakes. That is kind of one of the first things I talk about is what do you do with the home? Um, and that matters, but it is, you know, as always today, we're just dispensing education. We can't give you advice on this. You shouldn't uh, take notes and go, well, they said, this is just informational. This is really meant for you to schedule a consultation with an attorney who practices exclusively in family law, like we do. You know, every case is different. I told someone yesterday, I could present these these facts 11 times and, and get 11 different types of results. So, it really does happen. Uh, so let's get started, Bridget. Really, the home. There are a lot of options that you can, you know, really talk to your attorney about, and the attorney should be advising you about what to do with the house, especially if it has equity. So let's kind of go through some of those, and we'll kind of uh, explore some of those ideas and kind of get into some of the more details about some options. Sure. So I think that, you know, obviously the biggest two options are one spouse keep keeps the house or the parties um, sell it and split the proceeds or have some sort of different division of the sale proceeds based on their entire marital estate. But I think the driving factor of, you know, whether a party can keep the house is whether it's actually feasible and whether the party who wants to keep the house is going to qualify to either assume or refinance the mortgage, you know, what is the equity in the house? What does that buyout look like? Um, If a party can't refinance or won't qualify, is the vacating party willing to wait? Um, Mm -hmm. Or do they need their money now so they can go buy a house? So there's, there's quite a few different considerations. And I think one of the most helpful things is consulting with a mortgage broker very early on in the process to to find out if it's even feasible for one spouse to keep the house. And I think um, each mortgage broker, they, you know, different companies have different rates, different policies. So it's important to also shop around as well. Yeah. I mean, I think when, when mortgage rates were so low, you know, you were finding 2%, 3%. It was an easy conversation to go cash out, refinance, or to to assume it and, and get a new loan. And now, you know, depending upon your credit, you could be upwards plus 7%. Or if you're doing other things, it's it's a very difficult, you know, affordability. Now, you're, what you think you can afford is cut in, you know, half, really, because of the interest rates. And really, market trends, that's a big conversation. I had this conversation yesterday in that, we're trying to value the house and say, okay, can she take it? Can he take it? What is it really worth? 
You know, we've seen 10 consecutive months across the country on average of housing price declines and 20% market or uh, correction in values or more. I mean, that's got to be a big factor in the conversation as well, right? It is. Yeah. And I think it's also kind of important to look back and see what the preceding, you know, year or two years has taught us. So, you know, if you were buying a spouse out at tw- in 2021 and getting a home appraisal, that house was appraising very high and you were buying out at a very high rate, even though the interest rate was lower. But now that that house has lost value. So I think that's also something that's very important to consider is what is the value of the house and is it going to be holding that value or are we going to see even further corrections? Um, You know, is eventually another 2008 um, event going to happen where, you know, housing prices just crash. Um, So I do think those are important considerations, especially if you're questioning whether or not you can afford to assume or refinance a mortgage. And I think keeping an eye on the market and also talking to the lenders uh, helps inform that decision when you're looking at those issues as well. Yeah, you're 80 to 85 or 90%, you know, or into equity, say, you know, loan to equity ratio is now could be completely erased to your shock where, Mm -hmm. you know, now you can't cash out and pay someone equity. There is no equity. Now, what are you left with? Maybe can you afford it? What do you do? Do you sell it? I mean, I think that's, I mean, there's all kinds of things that go into that equation. And as you suggest, talk to a mortgage broker. I think that really is such a huge step just again, why you're watching this. And that is to gain education and information to equip yourself so you can you know, be in the right position to make good decisions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's very true. And I think another important thing to keep in mind is some lenders, not all, but some offer assumptions of the mortgage instead of refinances. And generally, the assumptions cost less than refinance. So you're avoiding some of the closing costs and things like that. But you still have to have the same qualifications that you would need for a refinance. So, um, you know, in our jurisdiction, for example, generally, if a spouse is keeping the house and they're just doing a refinance or assumption, closing costs are not part of that that equity cash out or buyout. So that's also something worth considering, you know, if a refinance is going to cost you three to 5,000, but you could maybe get an assumption for one to 2,000, you really might want to consider that or find out if that's even an option for you as well. Yeah. And it, and here we are, We I know a lot of our clients are always in a hurry. They want, you know, at, at some point, given how long perhaps the case is gone, they just want it over. And so they're going to have to assume that this process may take longer than what they think. You know, a couple of years ago, we could probably obtain a loan close in 45 to 60 days. Uh, you know, now maybe it's longer. That's got to be a factor in their decision making, right? Yeah, absolutely. And it's also a factor, you know, um, because sometimes we encourage clients to see if they can get pre-approval, which locks in an interest rate and gives you, you know, generally a 90 to maybe plus 90 day window to actually follow through with the transaction. But if you don't foresee yourself being divorced within that window, then you might have locked in the rate and gone through all the pre-approval process all for naught because you won't be able to refinance because also generally a lot of lenders do require a full divorce before Mm -hmm. they're going to approve a refinance or an assumption. And you want to be very careful and being completely open with the lender. So you don't run into problems down the road either. You know, one of the things 
that I'm always you know, alert to telling our clients or my client is that, hey, if you know, you're on a joint mortgage, a joint loan with your spouse and yet you divorce, I think there's always that assumption that, well, they're not liable on that note anymore. And that is even under an assumption, their name is still potentially or is on the mortgage. And if their ex-spouse fails to pay the bills, two things are going to happen. They're coming after you and your credit's being ruined. Uh, I mean, so that's something they need to be thinking about as well and preparing and taking steps to assure or at least monitor that timely and consistent payments are being made if there's an assumption or even just you give the house to your spouse uh, in the divorce and you don't have it refinanced, right? Yeah, it's very important. And, you know, sometimes people don't necessarily need their equity right away. So they do structure a buyout or they give the spouse keeping the house, you know, six months or a year or sometimes Mm -hmm. even longer to buy them out, you know, you'll have a marital lien on the home. But if that's the case, you always want to make sure that you that this vacating spouse still has access to the mortgage to make sure it's getting paid. I always like to have language included that says if the spouse keeping the house falls behind, Mm -hmm. um, you know, the house will be immediately placed on the market for sale, there does have to be some of that protecting language language in there. Um, Another thing to keep in mind too, is that some lenders will qualify the vacating spouse to get a mortgage to buy a new home, even if their name is still on the mortgage for the the home that the other spouse is keeping. But you just have to make sure that you have appropriate indemnity language in your final divorce decree to allow that to happen. Um, And this is also why I encourage clients to consult with lenders and brokers is to see, you know, what language do you need in my divorce decree if I'm not coming off the homestead mortgage? right away and I still want to try and buy a house. Right. You know, uh, we tend to throw words and phrases and terms around and and I'm sure people have heard of it and they may be aware, but HELOC, that's an option. Uh, I had that conversation yesterday about a HELOC and what is that and how can it be used in divorce? Yeah. And HELOCs are actually a great idea if the buyout amount is not too high and there's still quite a bit of equity in the house. So it stands for home equity line of credit. And you're basically taking out a loan against the equity in the home. But sometimes you don't necessarily need to go um, as through a rigorous qualification process um, as, you know, getting a mortgage or anything like that, because they're really just looking at the value of the house, what is owed on the house and therefore how much equity is left. And that can sometimes be a good option for the spouse keeping the house to buy the other party out. But um, if you're going to do that, you also want to keep in mind budgets and income to see, you know, can I afford this additional HELOC um, payment? So it does all all kind of go back to, is this an affordable option for us if somebody wants to keep the house? And so, um, and I keep pointing to my case yesterday, just because it's so relevant in almost all of these issues we're talking about. I had a conversation, whether it was with opposing counsel, the judge, or my client, and it's really about affording the payout. Let's just say there's ten thousand dollars in equity or thirty thousand dollars. How are you going to pay it? And if you don't do a HELOC and you don't refinance, and there's maybe there's not a lump sum of cash available. There are a number of options about maybe paying over time or you know securing it with a note that is attached to the house because I get it. Some people may be uneasy that you're actually going to pay it. And then what do they do to collect on it? So that, that also is an option to be considered. 
Yeah, it is. And you can also, you know, if if a spouse that's keeping the house maybe won't qualify for a mortgage right away, you can also look at co-signers, you know, is there family? Um, are there, you know, notes like pre-payouts to trust or inheritance? Or is there a source of income coming through that maybe would allow for the spouse to be bought out or the assignment or refinance um, able to be done? But if you're doing that, you also then have to keep in mind that the co-signer also would need to qualify for the mortgage or the refinance um, as well if you are going to take advantage of that option. Um, But that could be an option if the spouse keeping the house is newly employed, doesn't have a steady income history for six months or something like that. Or if the spouse keeping the house is paying maintenance, which naturally reduces their income, um, which then takes causes the lender to take, you know, a second look at their refinance and their ability to assume or refinance a mortgage. You know, one of the things for years that we've been doing and I have particularly is trading assets. I mean, for a number of things, you can trade assets for spousal support, or at least in Missouri, you know, to try to get away from that. But really, trading assets for either what we call uh, property equity uh, payments, you know, to balance out the division, and that includes what we're talking about today, is equity in a home. Um, you could one of the things I tried to do is before, which is advantageous to a client, is to trade a a pre tax IRA. So, for example. I needed to pay $83,000. I said, well, here, here's an $83,000 IRA. Well, that's advantageous to our client because it's pre-tax. It's really not 83,000 to either side. And to him, it's much better because he would have to have their cash it out, pay 10% plus the gains. So it's really less money. So you can trade a bunch of assets. And of course, it doesn't have to be focused on retirement assets. But again, I talk a lot about going through kind of with an LLM, someone who has a master's in tax in the law firm or someone who knows what really is an analysis of what you should be giving away and what you should be keeping or if you're going to choose, you know, to trade an asset, what's the tax ramification? Is there a real true value to that that asset that you're giving away? Yeah, I think that's a great point. Um, you know, and sometimes if people are, you know, um, keeping the home, but there's going to be a maintenance amount, you can look at that equity in the house and maybe it's the spouse seeking maintenance that's keeping the home. And you can say, listen, you don't have to buy me out of the equity. It's worth this much money. And therefore I'm asking you to waive your maintenance obligation. Or like you said, trading a pre-tax asset, which can be very um, advantageous, you know, because you're obviously the equity in the house is post-tax, but you've got this pre-tax asset that's going to be taxed upon distribution. Um, So those are definitely options and good considerations to look at if a party that wants to keep the house can't necessarily afford to to refinance or um, assume the mortgage. I'd say, you know, having our, most of our clients, or at least a lot of our clients um, being perhaps a, a shared custody parent or someone who doesn't get the the majority of the time, maybe, um, where you have a, for example, a spouse who has the kids and keeps the home, where judges may want to keep status quo. So we may have a client on on that side of the table that needs to go purchase a new home. There are a lot of loan options out there, not that we're in the mortgage industry, but we know what it is available. And some of the things that taking kind of that stress away from the client is to kind of, again, why we're talking about it today. Here's some options to be talking to a mortgage broker about, right? 
Yeah. And there, there are quite a few, and it, it is important to talk to the mortgage broker because like I said, every company is different, but you've got, um, you know, some companies offer jumbo loans, which is a one-time rate modification inside that 18 months. So if you were to do it now and within the next 18 months, mortgage rates drop, you know, another few percentage points, um, you can refinance for that newer interest rate at, um, you know, for example, somebody in my area offers $500 to do that. There's also things, uh, some companies offer doctor's loans, which is, um, you know, you may have a lot of debt from going through medical school and your residency and all of that, but because your salary is now so high, if you're a doctor, some companies do offer special loans for, for actual doctors, given their salary now that they're practicing medicine. Um, there's also been some updates with VA loans, which um, there's been a second tier entitlement expansion, which has increased the conventional loan limit by $200,000. So if your client used their VA loan to purchase their first house and the other spouse is keeping it, if they haven't met that cap, they may be entitled to get, you know, another VA loan to help them buy buy their house. Um, and then there's obviously the first, um, the FHA buyers, which allows three months of support income. It's less sensitive for your credit scores and you only need three and a half down. Um, and then, you know, sometimes there's conventional loans, different brokers offer conventional loans. So there are a lot of options and it's important to ask about them. So as we kind of run out of time, that brings us to kind of one important point about homes and that is timing when to sell it, when to refinance it, what do you do, when to buy a home? That's always a big question because it implicates the, you know, the marital property, the acquisition of something. So really there are a lot of factors that go into timing when you're talking about the house. Yeah, there are. And, you know, especially if you have kids, uh, generally in our market, uh, we say that a great time to put a house on the market is, you know, just after the Super Bowl, because mm -hmm. if you're selling a family home, the people that are going to buy it are going to want to be moved over the summer. So they're settled and everybody's ready um, for the kids to start school in their new school district. So that's definitely a consideration. But then again, you also want to keep an eye on the market. You know, the market's still fairly high. So if you're if you know you're going to have to sell the home, I think it taking taking advantage of that sooner rather than later is probably also more beneficial as well. Yeah. Well, thanks for joining, Bridget. Excellent topic to talk about and very relevant. Appreciate it. Thank you for having me. I enjoyed it. Well, I know you have more questions and, and that's the point of this podcast and all of our podcasts, including our virtual town hall. And that encourages you to set up a, uh, a consultation with someone. It can be us. It can be another attorney. Just make sure that they practice exclusively in family law and they will be properly situated to give you the best legal advice in that area and that setting and in that format. So you can do that on our web. You can go to cordellcordell.com. You can schedule a consultation right from the web. You don't have to pick up the phone. You don't have to send an email. There's a calendar right there with available times in the city closest to you. Just pop in your zip code. It'll tell you the list of the closest offices around the United States to you. Or if you want to speak with someone, you can give us a call. 866-DADS-LAW is the nationwide toll-free number. 866-DADS-LAW. So check us out also on our YouTube channel. You're going to subscribe to our podcast at Apple iTunes. And then in January, if you have not attended yet our virtual town hall, where we know you have questions, for example, would be interactive in this podcast. Well, that's the opportunity for it to be interactive. 
in our virtual town hall for 30 minutes once every month. Our next one is in January. It's free to attend. You just have to register. You go to the website or you can check it out on social media. There'll be a link there. You want to do it. You can ask as many questions as you have. And we'll try to get you some direction, some education, and some information in that setting. So thanks for joining. See you next time and have a great week.